Welcome to the Stay Hot Podcast, 10th Region Weekly. Alongside me is Evan Dennison of Link NKY. Um, apologize for last week being MIA. I had some technical difficulties, but we're back. You know, like they say, I'm back. Evan, good to see you again, man. I missed you last week, but technology is not one of my strong suits. And I thought I'd lost my laptop, had to get it worked on. Now it's back up and running for now, but I think it's on the fritz. It's a little old. Yeah, it's tough when you got a laptop that's going out of commission. I'd, I'd feel naked without mine. So I, well, I know what that is. The only time I really use mine is at home because when I'm at school, I use the school. But, um, but uh, you know, although we weren't on last week, action in the 10th region didn't slow down. Um, a lot of district matchups in the 37th, 38th, 39th, and 40th are starting to come to light. Um, although we all, as we know, in the 39th, you know, those regular season games don't matter, you know, because they draw. They don't mean a whole lot. But still um, – you know, a lot of those um, games, I know Mason played at Augusta last week. Augusta played Bracken tonight. So a lot of those um, teams are playing in the 39th, kind of give you a pretty good idea of what could potentially happen in the district tournament. But, you know, with the districts that do seed, a lot of those uh, district matchups have been played or are being played this week. So um, we're not too far off from the district tournaments and regional tournament, which is an exciting time here in the 10th region. But let's start with the 37th. Um, we talked for a couple weeks a while back about how the Scott and Campbell game would dictate the number one seed. And um, Campbell beat Scott 58-51. So the Camels have locked up that number one seed in the 37th district. Yeah. You know, for nine years in a row, they've been able to say they're the 37th district champs and looking like it's uh, on its way to a 10th. Now, it didn't come easy. Scott was was there for the majority of the game. They were, uh, you know, fighting tooth and nail with them. And, uh, you know, Campbell found a way to, to pull it out in the end. And it's just been kind of the same story down for the past decade. And, you know, that's not an easy feat in that district considering how, how successful Scott and Brossert have been um, throughout that time as well. Well, and um... – it's not an easy feat because from top to bottom the last probably six, seven years, it may be one of the tougher districts in the 10th region, if not the toughest. Um, but Eric Russell seems to always get it done at crunch time. And, you know, we're coming up on crunch time with the district tournament, but that two, three matchup will probably more likely be Scott and Brossard. Um, Scott beat Brossard at Brossard like 81, 75. And, yeah. you know, that's a close game there, especially, you know, good win for coach Fro on the road. But if that matchup was close and then Scott played Campbell County, what, 58-51, um, that might be an exciting district tournament to check out this year if you're not doing anything. Yeah, and I was at that Brossard-Scott game, and Scott jumped out to a 10-0 lead and um, led the whole way, led the distance. Brossard got all the way back within a point, um, just never could, uh, you know, finish the complete comeback off. And that was Nolan Hunter's first game, so Scott's, you know, finally at full health now. and. Um, you know, looks like a team to me, and I put them in my top five. I put them fifth in the in the tenth region media rankings and the, the statewide media poll. So, well, I think and a team that's on the rise. And we've talked about that all year long. And I know there's some games throughout the season that Scott lost because they weren't at full strength. But if you're going to ever get healthy and at full strength, now's the right time to do that. And how and Hunter as formidable as a duo. You know, as any in the 10th, both those kids can play and all the kids that Coach Frohmeyer is able to get experience and playing time is just going to help them come postseason. Um, Calvary's more than likely going to be the fourth. I think that's has already been decided, I should say. So yeah. Calvary, Campbell, Brossard, and Scott, and that'll probably be at Campbell County Middle School like it normally is, correct? Is that every year at Campbell County Middle? Um. I have to double check on that one. I'm not 100 percent sure. I wasn't 100 percent sure how they did that in that district, but you know, I know it's a pretty good venue for a district tournament. It seats a lot and provides right. a really good atmosphere there. I've actually taken in the district tournament in 37th at the middle school, and it was a really good atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, it, it very well could be a uh, an opportunity that I'll end up being there at, at some point, maybe for the championship or whatnot, but. I'm trying to look up who that district host is, but I don't think it's posted right now. So, well, but yeah, you, you could be right. It might be there every year. I'm just not 100% sure. 
Well, and I'll also say before we move on to the 38th, um, congratulations to Bishop Rosser once again for representing the 10th region at the All-A State Tournament this past week in Richmond. I know you were down there for that and got to see a very exciting tournament. And, you know, I know he's not a 10th region player, but if anybody gets a chance to take out Jacob Meyer or check him out, he's worth the price of admission. I think he scored 40-plus in the finals against uh, Evangel Christian yesterday. 25 of the team's 28 at the half. So I'm not a 10th region player per se, but still like to give credit where it's due. And Jacob Myers put in a lot of work and he's just surpassed the 3,000 point plateau. So is that three players this year in the state with Travis Perry, Blake Reed, and Jacob Meyer have all passed the 3,000 point plateau? I think it's four because Reed Shepard. Reed Shepard. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's pretty pretty phenomenal right there, considering there's only been, I think, 30-ish. You know, there's a few that haven't been reported. Um, but last I recall, I want to say Dante, when he did it back in 2018 or 19, whatever it was, he was like the 26th player to do so maybe. So, But those were all just – I think there's a, there was a handful of people. Well, Justin Becker, Justin Becker scored 3,000. Right. I don't know if his is on there just yet. Um, that's up to right, the athletic so. director. They've got to get that information in and send it to the KHSAA. And and I know we did that. I don't know if they've added yet. I know that Aaron yeah. Massey's on top of that stuff. And Yeah, with his being so recent, it may just not have updated yet. But I but still, it. only 30 people in the history of the Kentucky High School Athletic Association do that. That's an amazing feat to accomplish. So congratulations to all four of those guys. But I just wanted to congratulate Coach Ben Franzen and the Mustangs. Uh, for the, the representation of the 10th at the LA state. I know uh hazard was a, a tough first round opponent. And um, it was but, just a physical game that, you know, maybe early on they didn't match it as well. And they were trailing 18 to one. You put yourself in that big of a hole. Um, it's, it's against a team, the quality of hazard, it's going to be a tough comeback. Yeah. Hazard was tough. They're, they were a fundamental team. You know, they didn't really stick out athletically, but in terms of just fundamentals and putting the ball in the hole and being physical, you know, Eastern Kentucky basketball is going to be a physical brand. And I just felt like they brought that early and, and Brossard struggled to match it. And Coach Frangin even admitted it after the game. He just – he didn't know why or what it was, but it took a half for them to kind of catch on. They finally did, got it within six. So credit to those guys for, for fighting back. But uh, just, uh, just couldn't get there um, in the long run. So – you know, Brossard now has, you know, just like everybody else, three weeks left in this regular season grind, and they already know who their opponent's going to be come the week of February 20th, which will be Scott. So um, they're hoping things will play out like they did last year when they lost to Scott during the regular season and then beat him in the postseason. So. And that's one matchup. That that probably will be the best first-round matchup in the 10th. I can see Paris-Montgomery potentially or Bourbon-Montgomery being a good one, but – that one right there will be one to watch because I think both teams are probably 10th region worthy teams and one of them's going to be eliminated in the first round. But um, yeah, those, all, those, those always two, a competitive district. Yeah, those two, three matchups, you know, are the ones I look forward to every year in each district. And, you know, even the 39th, if the draw works out the way it could, is you could have a Mason Bracken or a Mason Augusta or a Bracken Augusta, which I think would equate to three competitive games. Uh, I agree as well. Um, move on to the 38th. Um, Harrison County sitting at 3-0, and which I think we've said all year long that they're the team to beat in the 38th. Um, I will say this. Pendleton County gave them a heck of a run at Harrison Friday night. Coach Ellsburn's game plan worked. Um, never really got down more than, I think, 15 or 16. It may have got to 18 once, but – they battled back, hit a few threes, and had it under 10 with about a minute to go, and I see the final score finish at 60-51. Um, Harrison County is currently 3-0, and but they've got Nicholas County at home tomorrow, and then they got Robertson at home on Friday. So the whatever 38th district seed games are left, they have at home. So kind of um, a good scheduling there for Coach Brooks, or not saying that he scheduled it that way, but it's fallen that way and probably going to uh, – help him out, secure the number one seed. And then you got Nicholas and Pendleton. Um, both of them right now have a – I think Nicholas County is currently 3-1 and one in the district with their lone loss coming to Harrison County. And then you got Pendleton at 1-2 and two 
with their win coming against Robertson County, who they open or they have tomorrow night at eight o'clock at Robertson County. So it looks pretty much like those matchups are pretty well set as well. Yeah. You know, barring anything miraculous, you know, you're looking at Harrison Robertson been that one, four matchup and Nicholas Pendleton in the two, three, and those two could maybe flip seeds. If you know, I was going to say anything, if Pendleton were to beat Nicholas at home on Friday, then they flip two and three, but still going to be the first-round matchup. Yeah, that, that seemed inevitable. I think we all knew that as the season coming in, and it's just a matter of, you know, who who can knock off Harrison. And, you know, it looks like Pendleton made it a game with them on Friday night. And like you and said – And I think the, and I think the uh, boys' district is at Robertson County. The girls' district's at Harrison. So, mm-hmm. you know, if – get, you know, Pendleton or Nicholas, get Harrison County on a neutral floor, you know – Never know, but you know Harrison County's got size, quickness, and they've got one of the better players in the region, and Caden Custard, who is just a phenomenal high school basketball player and just a good leader. And I tell you, I've been impressed as much as with JD Kendall as I've been anybody this year. JD's had a really good year. The games I've watched, he's knocked down perimeter shots. He's physical, physical on the defensive end. He's rebounding well, just kind of like a coach on the floor. You can tell he's a coach's son, but you know, Coach Brooks has all the pieces I think to uh, make a region run. Yeah, and you know, tracking back to Nicholas, I just wonder how much of a toll mentally and physically, considering the injury um, to Preston Blake, going back to the All A tournament game with Bishop Brosser. You know, they were. They were that close to beating them, and then you know they end up seeing Brossert win the All A. And since that game, they're they're uh, two and five. So it, it just makes me wonder, you know, how much that's taken a toll on them. But the, on the bright side, those two wins have both come in district play against both Pendleton um, and Robertson County. So you know that that pretty much assures them avoiding the number four seed, which no one wanted. And um, you know, you just wonder where they'll go from here. Um, well, and I don't know the significance of this injury, but uh, the younger Hatton, I think it's Peyton Hatton. Is he the younger of the, the eighth grader that can, you know, guard? Yeah. He he did not play against Pendleton at home. His arm was in a sling. Um, not for sure how long he was out. I think I heard a couple of weeks then, and that game was on January 20th, and we're just now January 30th, so it's been about 10 days. I'm not sure he's back. I look for him to probably be back on Friday when they come to Pendleton County. Um, but if not, I definitely think he'll be back before district play starts. So um, Nicholas County and Coach Wrights have kind of been bitten by that injury bug, and hopefully they get as healthy as possibly can before postseason play. Still praying for Preston Blake. We know he's out for the remainder of the season. But, you know, other than Preston, I hope Coach Wrights and his jackets get healthy and are ready for their postseason run. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think that district will play out kind of how we expect. And um, it's just going to be a, a matter of who can take uh, Nicholas Pendleton part three because the second matchup, yeah, it, it maybe means something to to, eat, to each program to get a win there and, and confidence-wise. But come the week of February 20th, that's that's the matchup that matters. Right, and I'll be honest with you, I think the game on Friday means a little bit more to Pendleton County than it does Nicholas, just because um, if Pendleton County plays as well as they did at Harrison, I can see Pendleton County winning the game on Friday. But I think, like you said, you know, that game means a lot. You know, it doesn't mean a whole lot in the big scheme of things. But for a confidence factor, um, Pendleton County wins that game and gets a little confidence, and they see some things that works against Nicholas County able to use that in the district tournament, then, you know, that game means a lot more to them. And then if Nicholas County were to lose that game, Coach Wrights can say, you know, hey, look, we've already beat them. We know what this is like. It doesn't really affect our seating. So I expect – I honestly expect uh, Pendleton County to come in with a little bit more motivation, a little bit more energy, and, you know, give that game a run and maybe pull that game out. Yep. And then, you know, of course, Robertson County, um, they're currently – 0-4 in the district, and I think they still have uh, – have, they have Pendleton County tomorrow, then they got Harrison on Friday, which will win their six games within the district. So they've probably locked up the four seed. Like you said, that will be a home matchup against number one seed Harrison County because I, I believe those two games are locked up um, – or those two seeds. Yeah. Um, 39th, a little bit different. 
Um, I don't know when the draw is. I haven't heard. I think maybe I've texted you and maybe you told me and I don't remember. Or, but I think it's like maybe February 9th. Um, yeah, that would be next week. I think it's next Wednesday or Thursday. Um, yeah. Whatever day the 9th falls on. So, looks like Thursday. But, you know, and if we're going to talk about the 39th, it'd be hard not to start with uh, maybe the hottest team in the state. Um, the Royals of Mason County and Coach Kirk. and um, They've got uh, – I think they got a pretty tough week this week. Um, I know they've currently won 12 in a row. They won at Augusta last week, which is never an easy task. Um, but they got Walton Verona at home tomorrow. And Walton Verona is a team that I've seen that um, they put up like 80 points a game. And if it's the same Walton Verona team I watched a few years ago with Brant Smithers, they probably shoot 30, 35 threes a game. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know if they face the team that has Mason County's defense or not. So I'm not, I'd almost be willing to bet they don't put up 80 against Mason County. But still, that's a tough game. If they come in hitting threes in the field house, you know, that's a tough game for Mason County. And then on Friday, they go on the road to play Connor. And didn't Connor beat Cuff Cath earlier this year? Yeah, that's Cuff Castle yeah. and Lost in State. So that'll be a good game. I mean, that's it'll be a real good game. But what I'm saying is, Mason County will be tested at the right time. You know, going right into postseason play. Um, you know, I know they beat Augusta by maybe 19 or so at Augusta this week. But then, you know, they had to see Bragg County come into Augusta this week and tonight actually and beat them 28, almost 30. So um, maybe Bragg County. You know, Coach Reed was back on the sidelines tonight for the first time in a few games. Um, the team played with a lot more energy and seemed like they were clicking all cylinders tonight, putting up 88 points or six. Yeah, I think it was 88-60, wasn't it? Is that what the score was? Yeah, I think that was the final. So 88 points is a lot of points. So, um, But like we mentioned before, kind of off the air, or maybe you mentioned it earlier on the air. I can't remember. It all runs together, but um, – you know, those three teams in the 39th, Augusta, Bracken, and Mason, you know, on any given night, those three teams are capable of knocking the other one off. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, it, it, it runs through Mason County. I, I don't think that's changing at all, the way they're playing. They will get some tests here down the stretch. And Bracken looks like they got Jashad Commodore back tonight against Augusta, so that adds – some depth and um, definitely a, a physical body for them that can do a lot of the dirty work that they need. And then um, Augusta, you know, they uh, sitting at 11 and 10, I think 11 and 11 after the loss tonight. So um, lost to Harrison County. It looks um, last week and, and Mason County. Um, so are, are they close? I, I think so. Um they're, they're, they seem like they're, they're they're taking some steps in the right direction. Um, but I just think they're missing maybe that that marquee win. They did get a good win over Pike County Central out of region. But um, in region play, I just wonder kind of where they're at. They're, they're sitting at five and five. But I believe four of those wins are against Robertson County and, and, and St. Patrick. So, um, you know, I just want to see kind of where they're at against the upper tier of, you know, the Campbell counties where they lost by 14 the uh, Harrison counties and the Mason counties and, and the Bracken counties. So, um, you know, they're, they're there. Um, and, and, you know, uh, district tournament, anything can happen. It's happened before um, between those two teams. And uh, with Bracken County adding that depth, with Jashad really, really helps. And Mason County's just on a roll ever since the calendar turned 2023. They haven't lost. And uh, a lot of those games have been away from home or at neutral sites, which I think has been, you know, the most impressive out of all that. Well, I've just, um, you they know, you one, watch. Well, you watch. Game. Say it again. They had one home game in January. That's wild. Wow. Well, and you, uh, you watch them, and you know they got stars like Terrell Henry and Riley Maston, and but like you watch them the other night. I think I watched them against Augusta. They played. Riley only had like ten, maybe. But they had other people step up. Like, they have so many options, so many weapons, and they're getting good production from the bench. Braylon Hamilton, it was good to see him. You know, he shot – I think he hit five of eight threes against Augusta. And, they're, you know, for most of the year on the games I've watched, he'd struggle knocking down perimeter shots. I still think he's a good scorer. I think he can attack the rim and score at the rim. But I think he brings a lot 
a lot more of a boost to them if he's knocking down that perimeter shot. And I think he's starting to find his groove. And that just makes the Royals that, you know, that more tough to knock out because they've got somebody else out there on the perimeter who can help, you know, like Carter McClanahan or KG Walton or Terrell, right? All those guys can knock down threes. Carter McClanahan's bringing a spark off the bench. And um, they're just, they're good. They got depth. They've got everything, you know, For and I see a lot of people ranking them first in the region, and you know what? I'm still on the uh, GRC first until somebody in region knocks them out. However, I mean, people could make a strong case for Mason County. Twenty, What are they, 22 and 2? Yeah. 22 and 2, 112 in a row, and only one of those games were at home? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I still have GRC number one in the media poll, and – everything else but uh you know you could you could say mason county has as good if not a better resume right now um considering they have two top 10 wins they've beaten lexcath they've beaten lyon county and their two losses are the top 10 teams when they you know lost the second game to lyon county and lost to north oldham so you know they're two and two versus the top 10 20 and 0 elsewhere so their resume is stacked just as good as, you know, anyone pretty much across the state. And the thing with GRC, it's, it's, it's hard to gauge because two of their four losses were out of state opponents who are top tier teams in their state. So, you know, when you compare resumes, how do you do it equally considering some out of state opponents are factored in? I just still give the nod to GRC with you and, and until somebody beats them in region play, it's just hard for me to have someone, jump them considering what they've done the last few years and still well, have the majority of that collection of talent. And if we're speaking on GRC, you know, now do I think this year the gap or margin has gotten a lot smaller than it was last year? Absolutely. I do. I definitely think with the region being at Mason County, um, Mason County would have a really good shot in that game. I just hope if those two teams meet up, it's in the finals and not semis. Yeah. Um, but and it hasn't worked out that way the last few I, years. I know. And um, you know, if you remember correctly, when everybody last year thought the gap was really large, me being included in that group, uh Mason County in the regional tournament, you know, played them as close as anybody did all year and they got to end up getting beat 10. But it was yeah. uh it was, it was tied at tied at halftime and you know it was a game within striking distance the, the second half. So and you know that that district we don't really know a lot about yet because, like I said, the draw will come out February 9th, and I'm sure once the draw is out, the Stay Hot podcast, once we do the next episode, we'll touch on that. But um, there's really not much to say because you really don't know what matchups are going to be. But I do think three of the four teams have a legit chance, you know, to play in the regional tournament. Um, obviously, one of those three aren't going to make it. And then, you know, I've given Coach Tony Moore at St. Pat credit all year long for, you know, what he's enduring, playing pretty much a varsity schedule with a lot of middle school students. You know, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of passion, and that's what Coach Moore has. So um, I'll continue um, supporting Coach Moore and St. Pat, but they're, you know, they're just going to struggle at the high school level for a few years until they get more high school kids out. But um, mention GRC. Here's one for you. What if Mason draws Brack and will – what will what will ensue? If Mason draws bracket Bracken County in the first round, it will be a great day on Twitter. <laughs> Go ahead if you're listening. Follow uh, Barstool Mason, Barstool Bracken. Follow Mason County, Bracken County supporters because that's going to be a great day. And what's even better day on Twitter is if Mason and Bracken draw each other in baseball. That's probably my favorite day of the year and. You can ask the people of Robertson County that, you know, and I don't care who knows it now, but like starting in like November, I start praying that Bracken Mason draw each other in the baseball district. I, I, lo- I love I love it. That's if St. Pat has a team this year. Like past few well, years they, they haven't filled a team, so it kind of Well, I just know that they get really mad when Augusta and St. Pat schedule that that quadruple header on a Saturday so they can get enough games in for the district tournament. That's always good when they schedule each other late and but you know, maybe the Stay Hot podcast with time could do a special episode if those two teams draw each other in baseball. If nothing else, we'll just read tweets. We'll just read tweets online about what people say. But um, <laughs> no, and you know, I think 
more years than not, if you go back and look, I'd like to know how many times the draw has happened and it came out like a one, four, two, three, if you were to, if you were to see. My years I was there, it was rare. I think it happened maybe once out of the seven years I was there. If that, I don't even know if it happened that way. Well, let's make our predictions right now. Has Mason I, ever played St. Pat? I think, honestly, that I think Mason's drawing St. Pat this year, and I think Augusta Bracken's drawing. What do you think is going to happen? I think it's going to be Mason Bracken. I hope I hope you're right. I hope I play on a different day. I hope I'm able to come watch that game. You think about that, and that, that takes a legit region contender out of the mix day one of postseason or day two, whatever day they meet. You know, right? And um, we and we talked about it. I think a couple weeks ago, how you know Bracken County went through a stretch there where they weren't playing well, or they could have been playing well, but they weren't winning some of those close games. What I saw from Bracken County tonight against Augusta, and it's hard to you know base your opinions on that because it's such a rivalry game. You know, the two schools in the same county, and a lot of those kids grow up knowing each other. Heck, Augusta and Bracken County got players that are related. We got players on Bracken County that used to play for Augusta, people in Augusta that maybe have wanted to play for Bracken County. I don't know. It's just a lot of stories you could go with there. But, you know, Bracken County played really well tonight, and I think they may be getting back on track. And if they do, it could be a fun district tournament. But, you know. I just wonder if it's a bad matchup for Augusta this year, though. You know, 96-70 in the first meeting and 88-60 the second. So, you just wonder if matchups are playing it. Like, there's just certain years where, I mean, you you know how it is. I mean, you right. just, it just well against the team. It's just I – don't, I don't know. It's just – I know Coach – it looked like Coach uh, Henson played some zone tonight in the first half. It just looked like in the second half, like I said, it was a three-point game at the half, 35-32. Bracken was leading. Um, very competitive, close first half. I think Bracken County may even got up seven or nine in the first half. And Augusta hit back-to-back threes on two possessions, cut it back to one. It just seemed like Blake Reed got going in the second half and hit multiple threes. I don't know how many he scored or how many threes he hit, but second half he got on and caught fire. And, you know, when Blake's on fire hitting the perimeter shot, he's almost impossible to guard. So. Yeah. Um, you're right. That's two lopsided match, mat, two lopsided matches so far between Augusta and Bracken this year. And you know, even the one at Bracken County the first time, it was ninety to sixty-seven. It was a one-point game in the third quarter. Yeah. Then it's like Bracken just takes off. So yeah, it's like the floodgates open. Yeah. All right, and you know when Blake's hitting like he can, you know, a lot of other people, you know, can play a little bit, I guess, free or careless because he's. When he's on, he's on, and it's fun to watch. Yep. Um, in the 40th, um, we've kind of known how this was going to shake out for a while as well. Um, we knew probably, or we said, GRC was going to be the one seed. They're 6-0 and in district play, so I'd say all their district games are over. Um, we're still trying to determine Montgomery County's 2-2 two and two in the district. Bourbon County's one and three, Paris 0 and four. So I know Paris and Bourbon play this week. That could make both those teams one and four if Paris were to win. And then Paris and Montgomery. Paris wins both these games this week. They jump up in that two, three with Montgomery, and then Bourbon, you know, goes to the four, which is probably a spot they want to avoid. So, um, yeah, they all. Bourbon, they, they all still play each other once. Yeah, because um, Bourbon just has Paris and Montgomery, right? They and then yeah, Paris, those Paris Clark's cleared up. Clark's yes. done. They're, they're six and zero. Oh, they've got the one seed. They're just waiting, you know. So the the biggest week of the season, I, I know the all that means a lot to Paris. But if you want to talk district tournament, this is their week, and it's a very odd scheduling. Um, set up they have they'll play Montgomery County Friday and then boom turn around Bourbon County on Saturday so they win both then they they clinch at least the three seed um well and like I said that scheduling's odd to me that you'd want district matchups on back-to-back nights however both of them are at Paris so they're not traveling so right. maybe that helps a little bit yeah. um I don't know what kind of um freedom they have in their schedule with their district matchups. I know in our district, we schedule the district matchups first and get those dates the way we want. And then we, you know, schedule the other games and the schedule around the district matchups. But I can't imagine playing a district, you know, opponent on Friday and Saturday. 
Yeah, those let me games walk that are back. intense. I, I, I did say Paris if they beat Montgomery and Bourbon, they'd lock the three seed, which isn't true because Bourbon still plays Montgomery. So there's still a possibility of a three way tie if they all could finish two and four, and then, then right. that would be interesting because you're all basically either flipping a coin or going to your tiebreaker to avoid that number four seed. And that's a question maybe you know or maybe you don't. Do all districts have the same tiebreaker? Is there a head-to-head tiebreaker? It varies per, per per district. Some do the RPI. Some do just a regular coin flip. Um, you know, and I, I think you've probably been involved some years where it's a three-way tie. So you do like a three-way coin flip, which – I still don't know how it's explained, but that's how it's Yeah, going. I think one year where we won the district, we were a three seed. We flipped the coin and lost, so we went to the three. And Yeah. I think we played Nicholas in the first round, too. Then maybe that was the year we beat Harrison at Harrison in the district yeah. finals. But, yep. Yeah, um, that's right. And because you remember Harrison beat us in the regular season at Robertson, and you made a big deal about a quote I made. Hey, you're the one who made it, and it's it's it it made it, it um it's it made me made me look like a soothsayer, didn't it? Yeah, man, that's how you <laughs> that's how you roll. No, it's just when you try to have confidence because you want your team to have confidence. But um, Absolutely. but I I've not seen Bourbon this year. I you know I know they played at Pendleton, and you know Pendleton hung with them for a while, and then I think Bourbon ended up winning by twelve. Um, I've had the opportunity to watch Paris play. And I've seen Montgomery play. And just by the eye test, it seems to me like Montgomery's the second best team in that district. Now, I don't know if that'll hold true. That's not knocking Bourbon and Paris, but from what I've watched, it just seems like size, quickness, and ability, Montgomery County has all that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Bourbon was playing well for a stretch. They had won, it looked like five of seven. Um, had beat, like you said, Pendleton. They beat Nicholas. They beat Scott County. They beat Mercer County. So they were. And I'll tell you well. this: Paris just beat Bath County at home, mm-hmm. and Bath County is pretty good. Yeah, they got a nice little player in Zach Otis. Zach sure. Otis. I mean, he. I think he's the school's all-time leading scorer now. And I had to play, or I had to coach against Zach a couple times when I was at Robertson. And you know, game planning for him's tough because he's a scorer and he's got a scorer's mentality. Knows how to get to the free throw line and. That's a – I believe that's a good win, and they've now won four out of six, and um, they got a tough one tomorrow when Fleming County comes to town. Um, but, you know, I think that game against Fleming County may help prepare them for Montgomery and Bourbon, but that's that's a tough game. You know, yeah, Fleming absolutely. County's nice this year, playing really well right now. Took Mason County to the wire in the 2A, but um, – so I, that district's interesting to me on how that's going to shake out, but – just my thoughts. I think it'll be Montgomery, the two seed, and whoever wins between Bourbon and Paris the next this game will, you know, maybe help. If Bourbon wins, I think that'll secure them the three seed, won't it? Or yeah, the two just, three. Yep. Yeah. I would just wonder if, you know, Paris, like you said, does lose to Montgomery, and then they beat Bourbon, and then Montgomery beats Bourbon. That would both put Paris and Bourbon County at one and five in the district. So then do they just flip a coin or, you know, I, I want to say that's the case, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Well, I just want to remind everybody if, if everybody remembers what happened the last time that Paris and Bourbon got together, Bourbon hit that three at the buzzer to win 62, 61. So this time it's down the road at, you know, Paris and it'll probably be another exciting matchup, but I'm actually thinking Paris is going to pull away with this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Paris is playing really well right now, and Coach Ransom does a, a really, really good job. So, um, But, you know, not knocking Coach Robinson and the Colonels because they've showed early and, you know, somewhat through the year that they can play some good basketball as well. So that's going to be a fun district. You know, the two, three, and fours, I think, are all pretty comparable. Yeah, I mean, everyone's playing to avoid the four. Just, you get the four and, you know, your season's over basically. <laughs> you know, just to be Yeah, good. and I – you know, I've never been one as a coach or whatever to look ahead, but to ask you to be the four and go against Clark County in the first round, that's a daunting task. And, um, you know, Clark County hasn't lost a region game in 40, 443 years, I think it is now, it seems like. But um, I, I think, think we're the, shaping – the game Friday when GRC and MoCo played, it was a 25-point game, and I want to say that's the closest region game they've had probably for three years now. Right. You know, that's that's just how wide the margin is. Right. And, you know, and that's kind of credit to Josh Cook and the Cardinals on, you know, 
what what kind of team they have. And, you know, I know he's um, got a well-rounded roster again this year. And But I just think, the, you know, the gap is lessened when you talk about the re- – you know, I think GRC is still on top of the region, but I don't think it's near as clear-cut that there will be the region representative at Rupp this year. I definitely think Mason County, Campbell County can probably – you know, and I think just Campbell County with their ability to play multiple styles, you know, I'm not so saying they're talented or as talented as GRC, but, you know, I don't bet against Eric Russell in the regional tournament. So, um, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, those are your clear top three. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I agree. And, you know, after that, which let's talk about since we're at that point, um, our top 10, um, I worked on mine yesterday, I think it was. Yep. If I just knocked something off, probably tried to break something, that's fine too. But I'll give a few um, shout-outs on milestones um, okay. while you're at it. Um, Go Aiden, ahead. Ham- Aiden Hamilton, Campbell County, 11 points from 2,000 for his career. Um, it's hard to believe that that kid's going to be a 2,000-point scorer in the 10th region at Campbell County, and he's going to be playing baseball at the next level at Kentucky. So shout-out Aiden Hamilton. He's one heck of a shortstop. And Eric Russell won his 400th game as a boys varsity coach. Um, he now has 451 career wins. So that's a great milestone when you hit that 400 mark. And um, he just seems to keep chugging along. And I mean, uh, that's, that's the strange thing. I'm pushing 250 career wins. No. And it seems like there's no way I could coach long enough to get 400. Do you know how, <laughs> you know how many games you got to win or how long you have to coach? It's to win 400 games? Yeah. Shout out Coach Russell. Nice. Yep. And then um, Terrell Henry, I think he's moved up to uh, seventh on the uh, Royals' all-time scoring list. So, I mean, you're well, starting to enter elite company once you get that high. Well, and that's what I was going to already say. You know, and here's another thing. And I don't know where what Terrell's future holds, but he may play college football. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you know, Mason County is one of those schools that, you know, scoring a thousand there means a lot more than scoring a thousand somewhere else because you normally don't get to play at Mason County until you're maybe a sophomore, excuse me, maybe a sophomore, now sophomore, junior. So, you know, those kids aren't playing since seventh grade. Yeah, he's at, uh, this was the win over Augusta. He hit 17 13. This is all courtesy Travis Skaggs, WFTM. He's at 17-13, seventh on the all-time list. Um, Russ Middleton's definitely caught, you know, Lord willing with health. He's got 17-53, so that would put him sixth if with 41 more points. Now, catching Darren Feldhouse at number five would be 19-37, so he'd still need 224 points there. It really just depends what how deep of a run they make in the postseason on, on if that'll get caught, but you know, that's that's some elite elite company. And, you know, it's funny you say that scoring a thousand at Mason compared to, you know, maybe some other schools. It's it's a little different, you know, and it, it, it is tough to crack a lineup, you know, early on. You know, you're not playing varsity, meaningful varsity minutes until maybe your sophomore or even junior year where Terrell, you know, he was a, a key part of that team starting his freshman season. Um, so, you know, he may not yeah. have had the luxury of being able to play in, in middle school like, you know, some other kids do um, at other programs. And that's just a matter of, you know, some other programs just being deeper and being bigger schools. So Well, and I, I don't want to sound like a uh, Debbie Downer or negative Nancy because I'm all for high school kids, but it just seems like now, and I'm only talking about if you just play freshman through senior year, not even talking about postseason, that's already 120 games. Okay, say your team, if you play 30 games like you're allowed, then say your team makes the regional tournament a couple years, you're looking at probably 135 games in your career. Okay, if you play 135 games in your high school career, you only need to average 7.4 points a game per year to reach 1,000. Is it time time to get off the 1,000-point milestone? I'm just asking. I mean, you no. know, when you play at when you play at the larger schools, you know, Mason County and Clark County, you don't play, you know, a little bit different. But you know, I see some kids now that have been playing six high school seasons. 
you know, they're probably pushing 200 career games. I think it's a, it's a unique milestone, and I, I agree with what you're saying, but it's almost more so like a longevity award <laughs> in some cases. You know, it's just credit to those kids for staying healthy and being productive members of their team early on. So it's still a really cool milestone, but to me, the elite one is when you hit that 3K. You know, that that that's where you really – separate yourself uh, and that's from, you know and that's another the, thing like and even 2k i mean 2k is tough to even get yeah, oh absolutely and you know i'll be honest with you like when i played we were only allowed to play 23 games before yeah. the postseason you know that's, i scored almost 1500 points but like now corner i was gonna get that to you okay well but like to like now there's so many games that these kids can play it's just like wow and you know for example, Justin Becker, Brent Bach, I'm sure Blake Reed, um, you know, tra- all these guys that have scored Dante, they scored a thousand in one season. A yeah. season. Yep. My goodness, that's crazy. Yep. It just, you know, like I said, I'm not knocking on any kids to do a thousand points, but it just seems like now these kids play so many games, you know. I think sometimes people feel like that milestone's watered down, but yet those kids are still putting the ball in the hole. It's still, you know, I don't want to sound like it's not a big deal to me because it is because I've had a couple girls this year get a thousand and it means a lot to them. It meant a lot to me to be a part of it, but um, it just seems like, you know, when you can play almost 200 games in your high school career, that's. It's a longevity award. Um. Yeah, I didn't mean to get you off track of the rankings. I don't know. No, that's my fault. No, go ahead. Am I first this week? Yeah, I think I was first last time. Okay. All right. So here goes. You know, uh, my top five stayed the same as last week. I had GRC one, Mason County two, Campbell County three, Harrison County four, Scott five. Uh, Nothing throughout the last two weeks is really altered me to change much, um, especially over the last week. There wasn't really any big upsets or big games um, otherwise to, to change that around. I put Bracken County six. I switched them in Montgomery County. I think I had Bracken seven the prior week, but I, I, I think they're, they're, they're getting back to where they were maybe at the beginning of the year, um, and especially with the boost and getting Commodore back. That, that helps a lot. And Montgomery County having seven, again, I, I point to the schedule. Um, you know, at, at times I, I wonder how much they are getting challenged and if uh, it's it's beneficial for them for some of these wins. Um, 13 and 10 is impressive, but they have also lost uh, four games in a row to Round County, Fleming County, GRC, and Eastern. So they, they're at seven. Um, Bishop Brossert I have at number eight. Uh, then I went with Paris at nine. And Augusta at 10 um, with uh, Bourbon County knocking at the door at, at number 11. So uh, that that's kind of where I stand. And I think it's somewhat of a consensus. I did see the, the media rankings come out, and I'll let you kind of go, and then we can talk about those and just kind of maybe some, some head scratchers. Um, I went – um, I'm a little bit different, not not much, but also GRC, Mason, Campbell, Harrison. Um, I put Bracken fifth. Um, they beat Scott head to head. Now if Scott wasn't at full strength, I get it. Um, if they were to play now, who knows with how and Hunter, um, or maybe they had both of them then. I'm not sure, but I like Bracken at five. I got Scott at six. I put Brossard at seven and Moco at eight. Um, the four losses in a row kind of made me put Brossard ahead of them and, you know, Brossard winning the all a and, you know, I know they've lost to Scott, but I put them ahead of Montgomery County and I also got Paris nine, Augusta 10. So just kind of there in the middle five through eight, I think were a little different, same teams, maybe different order. Which is the same as the media rankings, except they have Mason and Clark flipped 11 people voted first place for Mason County seven for, for GRC. Um, and then they had Campbell, Harrison, Bracken for three, four, five, Montgomery, Broster, Scott at eight, Paris nine, and Augusta ten. So I think five through eight is is where you know the majority of people are kind of 
seeing one way or the other, which is fair. You know, I don't think there's a team that sticks out where you can say, oh, they need to be there. Um, but the but the strange thing is with that, there's a Scott or Brosser, one of them's not going to be in the regional tournament. Right. You and know, I, I think, you know, Scott beat Brosser head to head. So to me, that that means and that was recent. So they so they they should be ahead of them. Right. But I got again, Scott like, a six, Brosser seven. I yeah, got Scott like, ahead. But what I'm saying is when you look at the region, one of right. those two teams are going to be they're a top eight team for sure. But one of them won't make the regional tournament because they'll play each other in the first round. Yeah, where I also think it would be interesting if Mason and Bracken drew each other because then that's taking two of the top five, six teams out. And then, um, you know, your your 12-13 matchup is basically Nicholas Pendleton, so one of them are getting in. So that's just how it works every year. There's going to be one team in kind of the lower tier of the region that I think that ends up, you know, getting in the region tournament where one of the top five to six teams are going to be at home watching. Right, and I think that's just the way – you know, way it's set up, that's just it's going to be like that. And you know, what do you think of this idea? What if they did it like a super regional? That would be my. I would love that because the, the, the way the tent is set up, it's perfect. There's 16 right. teams. The, the, here's the problem with it. I see. The problem I see with it is everybody would have to play everybody in the region. Right. I think one time, G- just one, one game. GRC is not going to play Calvary or St. Pat. That takes two games on their schedule. Um, same thing with maybe a Mason. Um, you know, maybe not want to play a Calvary uh, or whatever. You know, the same thing can be said about Robertson County. Are these teams are going to want to dictate three or four games on their schedule that would be um, out of hand or not really competitive, risk injuries or something like that. Now, now I mean, you have those games in district play. I'm just playing devil's advocate. You're right, have- and, and, and you're right, but – um, the the part to me about it's intriguing is it's a sixteen team tournament. I like that. Um, I like here, that. Let me, let me add to that just for the revenue caveat. Let let your top eight seeds host the first round. Split those gates, and then the final eight have you know like a regular region tournament at at one of the sites that normally hosts, whether it be the field house or GRC arena or, you know, Montgomery County or, you know, up, who knows? <laughs> I won't go there the other way, but. Right. But um, wouldn't, um, didn't the 15th region or some region toy with this idea not too long ago? In baseball. Yes. It was supposed to be like some sort of pilot deal. And this was, this was probably six or seven years ago. And it apparently just never took off. I don't know. I was going to say, I wonder what it would take to, I mean, I know the KHSAA would probably have to approve that or whatever. Because I mean, this way you're still getting you're still getting revenue for your teams that that don't make the region term. I know you in your district, you guys do a split regardless. Don't even get me started on that. Would, well, this would give you an ideal split because you're at least you're you're not splitting with multiple teams. It's just you and the other team that's hosting, or you and the other team you're hosting. So right, and I get that. I mean, I totally now, are understand. Are people going to go out to a Clark Robertson game? Probably not, but you know, I, and it, it it does. It's it's not it's not advantageous for the smaller schools down at the bottom, but they do have an all A state tournament. So well, not only that too, but like you know, but if you look and if you look, well, if you look in the tenth boys, not all teams at the bottom are all A. There's some all A teams near the top. You know, right. oh, yeah, and that's not me so, taking a shot at the all right, right, right. But, I'm just trying to say that. Um, I mean, your bottom three this year are right, your top A schools bracket. I mean, just in terms of the RPI, this now, might be an idea for a future podcast if we, you know, kind of draw up those brackets and see what they would look like. But I, how would you feel about, and I know it's a flawed system, but how would you feel about if they, um, maybe used RPI to determine the rankings. If I mean, they, cause here's the if thing. They, if they clean if, up the formula, the formula is terrible. Like, right. But look at this, you know, each team's allowed 30 games on your schedule pre pre postseason. If you did the super regional and everybody had to play everybody once, that's just half your schedule. You still have plenty of time to schedule some other games. Yeah, you can go play your Christmas tournaments. You can that's go play that's your- only 15 games. So I changed my mind. I kind of thought, 
you know, I still stick by that, you know, the best teams in the region aren't going to want to schedule the bottom two or three teams due to an injury risk or, you know, which could happen anywhere. But I think it's, I think it's intriguing. I really do. And like you said, the 10th region would kind of have the best, not the best, but have a good setup because there's equal amount of teams. Yeah, and even even if you had 17 teams, I think what would be really cool and you treat it like a tournament game, you'd have a play-in game for the 16-17 to play the one. So that's right. That's getting them extra revenue too because that's an extra game. True. And, I mean, you know, people will probably go to a Robertson-Calvary game like of their fan bases knowing that they have a chance to, to win that game. Right. So, and I, I love the idea. I, it, it, Danny Weddle, I think, tweeted out the seeds a couple weeks ago and just kind of asked people's thoughts and – I love. I think you would kind of get mixed. I mean, because honestly, if you think about it, the bottom three teams in the region are probably the four seed in their district tournament. I mean, so. Now, I wonder, are they getting a bigger split in those district tournaments than they would maybe just one gate? So, And obviously, and money would come into the factor of doing that, but I definitely think it would be – or – what if somebody hosted a Christmas tournament with all 16 teams in the region? And and say, let's say we don't do it for region. Let's say you do it at state and then you seed based off RPI or however that is. Which I would like that as well because, because I would like that because in all honesty, you know, when I go to the state tournament, I want to see the best possible games. Um, it's a lot of times when the 6th and 7th draw each other, the ninth and 11th or – Say the sixth and eleventh, seventh and ninth. Um, you're all you're automatically eliminating probably one of the four best. So, yeah. So it but it, it makes you wonder, you know. I think but, we could have an entire podcast on that because that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, just look at it right now. Just if if you did it, let's just say RPI did it this year. All right, give us Mason, the matchups based on RPI. Mason would play Robertson in the one sixteen. 215 would be George Rogers Clark versus Calvary Christian. Three versus 14 would be Harrison County versus St. Patrick. Four versus 13 would be Campbell County versus Pendleton County. Five versus 12 would be Bracken County versus Nicholas County. Six versus 11 would be Montgomery County versus Scott. Here's where you get the fun ones. Seven versus 10 would be Brossert versus Bourbon County. And eight nine would be Augusta versus Paris. I think that who would you say Montgomery would play? Uh, Scott in the six eleven game. That'd be a fun game. Yeah, Scott would be like that tricky eleven seed because they're better than an eleven seed, but yeah. due to injuries and yeah. some of the games they would have won if fully healthy. That's kind of like you know letting well, that Kentucky. Shows, that just shows where that RPI is so flawed though, because it, it 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 weighs so heavily on victories, even if you're playing a lesser opponent. Well, I mean, you, I look at the girls every once in a while and, like, you know, Brossard's, like, third in the region, and I think I'm, like, fifth, and mm-hmm. they're five or six points ahead of me, I think, in RPI, but we beat them head-to-head. Right. But so then Scott's, be- Scott's behind me, but Scott beat is, us. Yeah. Then Scott's behind me, but they beat us head-to-head. But every time Brossard was winning, that should have made my RPI go up, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. It, it is flawed, but – um, I definitely well, she think played a few out of state teams too, and that that doesn't help. That doesn't calculate it at all. Yeah, well, Which I played is, one out of state team, so I thought you went down there and you played a couple. But maybe no, we know. played Metcalf County and Morgan County, both from Kentucky. But okay. Father Ryan was out of Tennessee, Nashville. Yeah, yeah, nice team. Um, but you know, I think it's definitely something fun to look at, and I'd like. I wish somebody would develop a simulator. And, and live, we could simulate those matchups like maybe <laughs> 10 times. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that'd be fun. It would be be fun. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. You got me thinking now. Yeah. Anything else this week? Uh, yeah, man. I, I worked up some questions for you. Oh, put a little time in. Yeah, let's see. We had two weeks, you know. I know. That's true. All these Sunday night Bengals games are getting us off track. Well, we don't have to worry about it anymore. I won't get into it. Well, I'm I'm a diehard Bengals fan and have been. I don't think the officiating was great, but that wasn't why they lost. They still had the ball with two minutes to go to kick a field goal to win it. 
So um, now that you had a day to digest, you you, you feel that way. That's that's good. I felt that way last night. I, I mean, now um, I will say that I thought Burrow got a late hit one time and they didn't call it. And I felt like uh, on the last play where Mahomes scrambled, I thought I saw uh, Hendrickson get held. Then I, there was definitely an obvious block in the back on the punt return. But why don't you kick that out of bounds? Don't give him a chance to return it. Um, but the the late hit on Osai, unfortunate, but it was the right call. Yeah. Unfortunate. The guy played his butt off the entire game. Probably played better than anybody else on the defensive end, but you know my that biggest, my biggest beef out of all that was when the Bengals called timeout there with 40 something seconds left on second and eight or whatever it was. You're because that way you're setting yourself up to to let them maybe get the ball back. Let let a few seconds run off, try to run a play real quick. And then if, if something positive develops, then you start calling your timeouts because that that gave them time to get the ball back and, and, and go get three or four plays to go get in range. And that's the thing. And, and, you know, I don't care how hurt Mahomes is or whatever. You give that guy time. And you saw that last year he could score in 13 seconds. So, yep. But All right. You know. So, Coach's Corner. Film. How easy is it now compared to when you first started? To obtain film? I'm just talking – no, just the process of it, watching it. Um, A lot easier. Um, I just – I can remember back when I first started, I remember multiple times driving to Maysville, meeting Christy Orm when she was a Fleming County coach. We would exchange DVDs. Um, You know, I remember driving to uh, – I think I drove to Cynthiana one time to meet um, somebody from Harrison County to get film. Um, you had to have the physical DVD. It couldn't yes. be emailed like in a file or something. No, you had to have the DVD. Um, but now, you know, everybody in the state pretty well has some kind of video software. Um, most is Huddle. Huddle's made it so easy. Um, I click one button hit request video, send it to the school, and they either send it back or they don't. 99.9% of the coaches in the state are very good about sharing film. Um, there are some that tell me they won't share an in-region team. Like, say, for example, if I'm playing somebody at the 16th and I email a coach, I oh, will coach there in our region. We won't share on an in-region opponent. I've had that happen. I had it happen to me when I was at the All-A State uh, with Bracken Girls. We played Gallatin County, and I emailed every team in the 8th region, and they would not give up a film on Gallatin County. What a weird bond. That's it, it just – I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we just won at midnight. We beat East Ridge. Is one of those games that's supposed to start at 930. The game before goes into overtime. Then our game went into overtime. So it's after midnight. I get back to the room. I'm excited. You know, we're going to the Elite Eight. I thought we had a really good chance to beat Gallatin. I sit there and send out email after email, and everybody had the exact same answer. I'm like, man, this is, this is disheartening. But, you know, I get it. I, I don't get it because I pretty well share with anybody that asks. If you know, for example, if Bill Watson from Cynthiana emailed me right now and asked for a film on somebody, I would give it to him, although I know he could use it to scout me. You know, he's done it for me. I'd do it for him. I'd do it for Coach Letcher. I'd do it for Coach Blosky. You know, we're pretty tight in our district, but I I mean, I would expect them to share. But just the just being able to obtain the film and watch the film, it's just like a click of a button. And now you can even watch it on your phone. Huddle's got an app. You pull it up on your phone. You can watch it. You know, normally when we record a game, it'll be uploaded within 20, 30 minutes. So on the bus now, ride home. Now, here, here's one that maybe it varies per coach, obviously, but some of them still prefer to do it the old way and go do it in person. Um, now, obviously, there's time constraints, travel, schedule conflicts, of course, but some coaches feel they get the full effect, maybe if it's calling out a play or you don't necessarily get that on film. Well, I will say this. If it's a district opponent, um, my assistant coach has driven to Campbell to watch Nicholas. Um, I think he's going to Bourbon and Nicholas this Thursday. It's at Bourbon. Um, we went and watched Nicholas at the All-A. Um, so, and if it's a district opponent, we try to see it in person for that reason. We'll write down the name of the place. When we hear it called, we know what it is. But um, now, are you giving your assistants like homework? Like, hey, can you give me some film and watch this? And you guys bounce ideas off of each other, or how does that work? 
Well, the way I get all the film, and once I get the film on Huddle, you can upload it to your library. Then I'll send out a text to the coaches. Hey, um, just for example, this week here, and I don't, you know, I'm not giving away any information or anything here, but um, I told them, you know, I've got Paris and Nicholas County video. Watch it. Let me see what you think. And we do bounce ideas off each other. I'll watch it. Those two will watch it. And we basically look for things that other teams did well against them that may work in our favor. Um, we watch film on Harrison. I've got two or three films on them. And then I've got films on Robertson. But we play Harrison or Robertson tomorrow. But I went ahead and got film for Nicholas on Friday because after the Robertson, then we got a couple of days to prepare. So then I told him to go ahead and watch Nicholas in Paris and then see what maybe Paris may have done that rattled them or you know, we played Paris pretty close at Paris and had opportunities. So um, we're basically just looking for – we pretty well know personnel. We know strengths and weaknesses of personnel. We're just basically looking, what did the other team do well that, you know, we may be able to implement that could cause Nicholas County to struggle, Harrison County to struggle, Robertson County to struggle. But, you know, I'm probably different in this aspect. I don't watch game film with the team. Um. I've never really done it a lot. I did it some at Robertson County and didn't see where it benefited much. I did a little bit of Brighton County back in the day, and I just didn't see where, you know, we were keeping kids there an extra hour to go over something, and I just didn't see where it provided much insight for me. So I don't usually watch it with the team. I do know that a lot of my girls sign into Huddle. They watch the videos. I'll get texts. When's this game going to be uploaded, you know? And you can check their logins. A lot of my girls go in and watch. But, you know, I got a text earlier. I got four girls that are at, I think, Dixie Heights right now watching Dixie Heights and Campbell girls because we got Campbell coming up. So, yeah. I mean, so I just think everybody's different. I do like – I am old school because when you scout in person, the relationships, to talk to people, see people you haven't seen in a while, it's just – but it's also convenience of watching it on film, you know, on my couch. All right, so next one. 30 games, too much? Yes. What would you uh, like I think we only had 27 scheduled this year. Um, I did try to schedule a couple more. Um, Lewis County, we bounced around a date. I think NCC and us tried to bounce around a date. Didn't have much luck, so I stopped at 27 just because, you know, we've had a couple girls injured. We've had a couple girls sick. You know, I just – and I'll be honest with you. The last week of the season, we played Campbell on Monday. And then we're off. I want to use that time to practice, to get ready, to prepare, because by that time we will know who we play. And I'd rather practice this time of year than play. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it just seems we're now. I'm just saying the month of January is long. Still here. <laughs> and here we are, what, the 30th? Tomorrow's the last day of January. It just seems like, you know, we played Grant County on like January 2nd or 3rd, or 3rd or 4th maybe. But it just seems like. That was another year. That was like two years ago. Seems so I mean, long. luckily in your case, you still have some important district C games, you know, where maybe some have already wrapped up their district and here they are with three weeks left and seven, eight games to play. And well, you, know, and you also want to you play. Get hurt and, you know, you do want that game action, but I, I feel like this time of year is when you really want to be playing those upper echelon teams. Right. And you, you definitely want to be playing your best basketball. You don't want to get in the habit of, playing ugly basketball and still being able to win because you're far more superior talent wise. And you, you know, that's the thing you try to teach, you know, even though the score's lopsided right now, there's still things we can work on, you know, defensive rebounding, don't give up second chances, closeouts, you know, push the ball in transition if we need to, or, you know, trap ball screens or whatever it is we're working on. There's things that we can work on, but you can just see when the score gets out of hand and I've seen it on other teams. Well, they just like, they click, cruise control all right we've done our job the score's out of hand let's go home and then that's when sloppy basketball starts you turn it over you shoot bad shots shot selection drops and you must start missing free throws because you're not engaged and next thing you know instead of winning by 25 you win by 12 then coaches leave the gym upset oh we're not as good as we think we are you know we should have won by 40 we only won by 12 but a wise coach told me one time, when you talk about your team, you're not as good as you think you are, you're not as bad as you think you are, but you're not far from either. So. I'm with you. I, I think Ohio has like a 22-game regular season limit, and I, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. How would Kentucky be affected if they did the Ohio thing of you're only allowed to play five quarters a night? 
Uh, I don't even. I mean, that's that's weird. It's very weird. But just think about all the local yeah, schools. Yeah, we basically have, eliminate any. Uh, would eliminate probably a lot of JV teams for certain schools. Well, JV teams would mainly be middle school and freshmen. I mean, because if you got a so- sophomore, junior that you expect to play three quarters varsity, are you only going to play him two quarters of JV, then take him out? Are you only going to play him the second and the fourth? Are you going to play him the third and the fourth? I don't know. It's just. Just a very weird rule, but I think a lot of smaller schools in Kentucky, you know, JV is the bench. A lot of people don't have eight guys that they sit out to play varsity only. Yeah. It's tough. I don't know. I just think it's a dumb rule, but I just wonder. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. That's all I had. Well, you've got me intrigued on this super regional. I'm going to think about it this week and – uh, it might be something we talk about again because I think it could really, 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 really be something unique and fun. For sure. All righty. Well, um, next week we're going to try to have another coach on with us doing this on Monday night this week. And a lot of teams are playing on Monday night. And, you know, a lot of people had practice or things to do. We couldn't get a coach on. But next Sunday we'll be back on normal time and schedule. And until then, stay tuned. And stay hot.